Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got a wonderful guest. Her name is Wendy Catewell. She is the relationship specialist and she knows a ton of wisdom and information around relationships right from the very beginning of you being single right through to any potential divorce situation to actually then probably how you cope with being single again (laughs) at the end of that. So there's not much that Wendy doesn't know about relationships, but what we are going to be delving deep into today is, are you neglecting your relationship? So Wendy, welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. Um, Thank you, Lynn. And it's really nice to be invited on here. So yes, really lovely. Thank you. You're very welcome. So before we dig down then uh, around this um, particular area of specialism that you, you, I know that you're really keen and uh, passionate about uh, around are you neglecting your relationship? Can you let our listeners know a little bit about you and how you got into the industry? Okay, so um, I always say that my experience is down, down to, um, yes, I, I qualified as a counsellor 15 years ago, so I've got that kind of professional experience. But I also say I've got an, um, a lifetime of my own experiences. I've uh, messed up one or two relationships of my, my own, so I kind of know the pitfalls and where, where things have gone wrong. Um, so I think that probably, yeah, that, that really helps, as well as a lot of other lifetime experiences. So, yeah, it's a mixture. Definitely. I think it feels right, doesn't it, if you had some really um, great challenges that you've overcome specific mm. to relationships then it always bodes well and you can really empathise with people who then present themselves to you have got those exact same challenges that you've overcome in the past yeah yes I, I, I feel it does I think it you know if you haven't experienced some of it then it's harder to be empathetic to somebody or even appreciate what they're struggling with so yeah that's my view anyway me too so the, the, the subject of are you neglecting your relationship then? This is something we've not really spoke about before with any of my guests previously or, or anything I've really delved down into in my own episodes that I've done. So, Wendy, w- what is it about this particular area that, that sort of um, inspires you to want to share? I guess because I feel that we all lead such very, very busy and stressful lives filled with activities and work and stuff and it's so jam-packed it's either that um, you've got very busy jobs or commuting long commutes uh, commitments maybe to relatives and children can take up one awful lot of an awful lot of time that they seem to have activities constantly and parents end up ferrying them here there and everywhere and filling their lives with the children's activities 
and their own. So it's, you know, going to the gym or uh, maybe they have other hobbies. So it comes very hard when it comes to the point of spending time together and really focusing on the relationship. I think what happens is they'll, they'll, um, they'll say, well, we do things together. But if you're, if you're at the gym together, you're not going to be talking to each other. If you're at the, um, if you're at the cinema, you're going to be watching a film. And so generally that although doing things together can be very, yeah, it'd be nice because you're working as a team quite often. Maybe you're renovating a house. But that, those are more distractions and take you away from focusing on each other and the relationship and the issues that crop up. Absolutely. It's, it's thinking about what activities are actually nurturing the relationship, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's connecting with each other and spending time talking to each other, setting aside time for each other and addressing anything that crops up that you might be putting on the back burner because you think, oh, well, it's not really a problem and we can distract ourselves because we've got to do X, Y, and Z. So it, what happens so often that I see with couples is that they just get fed up, they've drifted apart, and sometimes it's the children that are hold the glue that are holding the relationship together. So once the children have flown the nest, then they've got nothing in common. I'm not talking about necessarily the same hobbies because hobbies change over a period of time but it's more about that connection that deep connection where they are yeah spending time with each other and being there for each other so what what do you find is a good suggestion you know when this is coming up for couples as to what those activities could be that they might like to both enjoy that would be the nurturing type things that um, would bring them closer together? Well, I guess things where you're connecting. So I think it could be um, going for a walk together if you enjoy walking because you're going, you know, you often will sit and talk to it. You, will walk, you know, while you're walking, you'll talk to each other. So that can be quite a good one. I think even things like, I don't know, playing board games together. I know it might sound a bit crazy or old-fashioned, but that kind of thing can really, you know, you can have fun together. Um, and you're actually connecting. I, you, playing games or sitting on your, you know, on a console or on a, on a laptop or an iPad, you're not actually connecting together. And I think that's one of the big distractions that people, they, they'll get on their tech, techie um, devices and they're on those and they're not really talking to each other i mean i even hear people they text each other in the same house or in the same room Mm. (laughs) and i i think well yeah but how on earth if you don't sit and talk to each other if you don't really communicate with each other that is the biggest thing i think communication it's so bad People make assumptions and misunderstand each other. Texts especially. Someone will send a text and the other person receives it. And they have no idea. It's so one-dimensional. There's no intonation. There's no emotion in it. So it can be read in about 15 different ways, depending on the mood of the sender and the mood of the receiver. So 
really talking to each other, I, I would say is the most important thing. Pastimes, yes, and doing things together, but it is about that connection and just communicating. I agree uh, about the text thing because, um, you know, texts and emails really um, are only meant, well, we're, I think were only initially meant, you know, to, to enable us to confirm an appointment or, you know, be able to send a, a document or something like that. They weren't meant really as a replacement for having ordinary conversations and yet they seem to have become that way. And like you say, it can be so often misinterpreted, you know, the written word. Oh, yeah, and it, and it does. Um, and I think also those assumptions, that's the other big thing. I, I know you, I know you inside out, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> we don't. No one can read each other's minds. They think they do, but um, they make the assumptions based on on their interpretation of it. Yeah, and there's a common saying, perception is all there is, and, and it doesn't mean that perception mm. it, is, is right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just your perception, and the thing is, I think we need to realise that it is just our own point of view and, and we could be making big assumptions when they don't actually exist or that that's not the reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things that I often say to people is that if you put a seedling in a pot and you put it in a dark cupboard, it wouldn't, it wouldn't survive. It needs air it needs light it needs sunshine it needs water it needs nurturing if you don't give it those things it won't grow it will wither and die and in the same way a relationship needs that as well it needs nurturing it needs care it needs attention it needs yeah it needs all that love and attention if you think well yeah we're, we're together now and that's it i don't need to bother anymore that's what will happen it will wither it will just in the end die and one or the other will just walk away. And quite often we're quite quick not to take responsibility for our part that we play in the breakdown of a relationship, aren't we? It's, it's very easy to start justifying or, or finger pointing and laying blame on the other person. Definitely. And I know I was guilty of that in the past and it can be quite hard to accept that we played a part in it, that even if we're with a you know somebody who's quite bullying the fact is that we've allowed ourselves to be bullied um and that could feel quite harsh but um especially when you are very close to that situation but in hindsight if you can look back and say well actually yeah i did play a part in it because i allowed that to happen absolutely i 100 percent agree with that I feel that our relationships are a reflection of how we treat ourselves, you know, because first and foremost, I think the most important relationship to nurture is, is the one that you have with yourself. And if you're not kind to yourself, if you're not mindful of what self-talk is going on in your head and you're, you know, you're saying things to yourself that I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, how come I always mess my relationships up or, or whatever you're not then, you know, being kind to yourself and your relationships that you attract will be a mirror for that. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I'm not worth it and therefore I don't work and I don't deserve anything better. And that's, that's certainly what happened to me in one of my relationships. I settled for second best, definitely, because I just didn't think anybody else would want me at that particular time in my life. 
Definitely. And uh, this is my experience of working with people that have relationship issues as well. You know, those that have got relationships that aren't operating at a very high level or, you know, even a toxic level need to realize, you know, what sort of relationship first and foremost have you got with yourself? Are you being kind to yourself? Are you asking yourself empowering questions? Are you um, looking in the mirror and seeing that beautiful, amazing person and acknowledging, you know, yourself as, as being that beautiful, amazing person, you know, and loving your imperfections because you're perfect in your imperfections. Because once you do get to a stage where you can accept and embrace all those things, then you are start attracting, you know, a better quality relationship. Very true. And I wonder how many women that you work with actually believe that they are beautiful, amazing people. Not many. <laughs> that, that's why we're that's in business. The, that's the problem, isn't it? Because they just don't believe they're beautiful and amazing. They don't acknowledge that they are okay as they are. Um, they, don't, they don't see that. And then someone comes along um, who isn't very respectful of them and it just adds to all those insecurities. And that really doesn't help at all. I know growing up, I, I became a people pleaser, which was all to do with my childhood. And uh, therefore, I wanted other people's recognition and approval. And so I took on a, I be, yeah, I took on um, what I thought other people wanted me to be instead of being myself. And so I was always trying to, instead of respecting and regarding myself as a, an okay person, I felt that I had to be what they wanted me to be to be accepted. And I think that's the problem for a lot of people, you know, regardless of your gender, is that we start looking for that external validation, don't we? When really we need to validate ourselves first, you know, look, in, look inside. Yes. Um, and that external validation is very wobbly because it can alter minute by minute, can't it? It depends how that person perceives us and if we're actually can be manipulated and oh well you're you're wonderful because you did that for me and then the next day we'll know you're rubbish because you didn't do that for me so it's a bit not very not very um solid is it to believe what other people say about us no it's it's getting to a place where you know regardless of what the people think or say you're comfortable with who you are, um, you know, because what other people think about you is, is really, I've said this before, it's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But the, the problem is if we don't have that solid foundation of believing that we are okay and that we are, you know, we don't need that external validation. validation. That's what we're looking for. Um, and, and that's sadly... Um, isn't solid at all is it so it is really believing that we are okay um, as you say but that that's where the groundwork starts as we know with the relationship with ourselves is the most important one and then from there when we're feeling in that healthy um, secure place that's when we can enter into healthy relationships otherwise we're doomed absolutely as I uh, you know said before I think we do attract um a mirror you know of uh the reflection of what how we're treating ourselves in our significant other um so if we if we're not conscious or aware that you know we're, we're not kind to ourselves and that we're we've got all this negative self 
talk going on, then um, quite often we can sort of, like you say, be swayed by any external criticism as being proof that you're unworthy and undeserving and will never, you know, get anybody better than your own current horrible relationship that you might be stuck in. But really, the reason that you have attracted that is you've not been kind to yourself. And this is a reflection of the fact, you know, that your relationship is showing you that. Mm. But you don't have that realisation, do you? I think um, it's often, it can also be affected by our parenting. So if, if we have that model from our parents of their relationship, then we will assume that that is the norm. And therefore, we won't expect anything else. We won't expect anything better because that's all we know. I mean, so many people come to see me and I say, what was your childhood like? What was it? You know, and they say, oh, yeah, I had a very happy childhood. It was, it was very normal. When in actual fact, it wasn't. It wasn't really happy. It wasn't normal. It's their normal. That's all they knew. But being ignored and never having parents around or being abused is not normal but they believe that's normal and therefore they're going to repeat that pattern yeah and isn't that sadly the truth that you know you know even down to um you know if your parents were very strict discipline plenarians and you suffered at their hands with a lot of corporal punishment for example I can remember you know my parents were dishing out the cane dishing out the belt and me thinking that was normal you know, well, it, yeah. and saying, yeah. actually saying, well, it didn't do me any, me any harm, but when I look back, it did. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and that there are, you know, people that uh, I work with that, that, you know, they'll say, well, I always put everybody else before me. Um, you know, it's really important, but they're actually not honouring themselves. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be kind. But if we don't put ourselves first, we can't be any good to anybody else. When you explore that, you find that their parents were like that. And therefore, they got neglected because of it, because their parents were always doing things for other people. But they set that, that rule, those rules up, saying, well, this, this is the way you're supposed to behave. But they're not only just neglecting themselves, they're neglecting their partners. And they're not enjoying themselves because they believe they have to be this selfless and work hard and do more than they need to and um yeah serve everybody else almost to a point of martyrdom at times and it's not selfish to put yourself first in fact in fact it's selfless because by you being kind to yourself and putting yourself first and recognizing and acknowledging what an amazing lovely person you are you can then be a better partner for your other half. Yeah. You can then be a better parent to your children. You can then be a better son or daughter to your to your parents. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's that's where the problems are, isn't it? That's why we're there to help people out. Um, but yes, I think that uh, neglecting ourselves then leads us to neglecting relationships, and we believe that. We, we get focused it's too easy to get focused on the material things in life instead of nurturing and being kind to each other and spending loving time and paying attention to each other yeah i i totally understand and i also wanted to sort of mention as well that we don't necessarily have to repeat the 
patterns of our parents. You know, if we again become aware that, you know what, my parents weren't very good role models because I can remember thinking, you know, that I never wanted to be a parent because I was frightened of repeating those patterns. I was frightened that I wouldn't be a very good mother to my children. But then I thought, that's silly. You know, you don't have to be, you're not your mother or your father. You don't have to be, you know, repeating those patterns of behavior. You can be a totally different parent. So you, it doesn't bode that, that you're going to repeat those patterns or nor, nor do you have to believe that you'll repeat those patterns. You can make that decision to be totally different if that parenting wasn't a good example. Mm. Most definitely. And I think if people are aware of that, then, then they do, you know, they can make changes. Awareness is the first step. You can't do anything unless it's in your awareness. And then once it's in your awareness, that's when the hard work starts because uh, making those changes, I think you have to make small changes, uh, take those small steps to make those changes uh, to, to uh, enable you to have a, a better life and a better relationship. And unfortunately, we don't know what we don't know until we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, very true, Lynn. Very true. <laughs> and I think one of the things is that we we about rules. We follow other, you know. I I start thinking about. I often say, what are the rules that I follow that are not mine that I've adopted that are other people's rules, because that's what often happens. And they can be simple things about how you spend Christmas, what you have for you know Sunday dinner, how when you do the housework, um, who takes on which chores in a relationship. There are other people's rules that we have taken on and make them our own. Quite interesting when you stop and think, well, why do I do that particular thing in that particular way? Or what is that rule about? Whose rule is it? Is it mine? Or is it one that somebody else dumped on me effectively that I'm following? I'm not talking about social rules or rules of the road or anything like that, anything serious. But those rules that we adopt are because we not only take them on ourselves, but then we put them on our partners. And when we go into a relationship and say, well, I'm sorry, but we always have Sunday dinner um, with my parents. And that's what we have to do as a couple. And that is, is, that's so wrong because we're affecting the relationship. We're taking on our parents' rules instead of making our own rules in the relationship and saying, no, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to have the foundations and create the, the, that family unit of ours. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? How parents, how um, our education and school systems have influenced and conditioned us to, to behave in certain ways. And like you say, we, we're, we're like sponges absorbing all this stuff and not realising that we're implementing these habits that aren't actually ours. <laughs> <laughs> they've like you said been dumped on us yeah. by you know um our environment mm. yeah exactly yeah it's it, it's fascinating how we do this isn't it it's, um and we do it out of our awareness we really don't think about it it's because it, it's almost imprinted in this indelible ink which says that that's what you do that's the way you live your life that's what you have to do um and then we take those on ourselves, but we never stop and think, well, why, why do I do that? Why is it that I can't, for example, I can't go out and have fun until I've done all my chores? 
um, you know, those kinds of rules can be in, embedded in us from childhood. Well, no, you, you can't go out to play until you've cleared your, cleaned your room or you've, you've done the washing up, it's your turn. It's all of those things. So we end up in the same kind of patterns. We can't have fun until we've done our duties. <laughs> uh, it's, it's almost like being introduced in our eyes. You know, when you think about people that are in prison, for example, or um, in, in sort of um, hospitalised institutions, you know, they get conditioned mm. in certain routines. Or isn't that the case for all of us, you know, to a certain extent, where we're all being institutionalised to a degree by our environment growing up uh, and have those patterns and conditioned behaviours that, that we didn't choose to take on. We've just been influenced by others to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And then we take them into the relationships and each person has got different rules that they've lived their life by and assume or, or believe that that's how you have to live your life. And you imagine the kind of problems it causes because, you, you know, you've got a head-on kind of clash then. Well, no, that's the way you have to do it. No, that's the way you have to do it because that's the right way. So, it, it, you know, it is stopping and thinking about, I think, really important to think about the rules we make ourselves and how rigid it can be and how it affects us so adversely so what do you do wendy when you get clients that you can obviously see they've been neglecting their relationship but the you can see that there is obviously that that love still there that could be rekindled and, and the relationship massively improved what what's the first sort of exercises or steps that you suggest for them i one of the things i do suggest is that they take time to connect with each other on a regular basis even if it is, well, after dinner, instead of rushing to do the washing up, sit down and have a, a cup of your favourite beverage or a glass of wine or whatever it is, and just sit and chat with each other. But not a, necessarily about that, you know, that mundane stuff. Have you had, you know, I, we've got to take the kids to, to rugby tomorrow, or have you, have you put the bin out, or I'm really fed up with you leaving your socks on the floor it's not those kind of conversations because they're not very productive you know <laughs> um yeah all right there are things that have to be said at some point but that doesn't really help the relationship take yourself back to when you first met you would never in your life have that kind of nagging mundane kind of conversation with your with that person that you were trying to attract or that you were madly in love with you wouldn't worry about you know, whether or not you had those chores or what kind of a really bad day you'd had, because they'd, they'd be running for the hills. So there's nothing, you know, talk about your dreams and your aspirations. It doesn't matter if they're real. It doesn't matter if you sit and chat about um, what you'd like to do, whether you'd like to travel around the world together. It just is just having that imagination and thinking about the things you really love the music you enjoy, the books you enjoy, um, all those things that you started early on probably talking about, chatting about, um, have interest, you know, things that, that you enjoy. And maybe there are things, and I'm not going to talk about the news because it's so thinking miserable, but nice things that you've, you've noticed somewhere. Um, and planning things for the future. I think just taking that time out it doesn't have to be a whole evening, but just sit and talk to each other and 
even 10, 15 minutes. How, what's been good about your day? I don't like that phrase, how, what, how's your day been? Because you're going to prompt the other one to just grumble about all the miserable stuff. But if you can say, what's been good about your day? Do you know, I just thought the one good thing about my day was I got off the train and the guard smiled at me and said, hi. You know, those sorts of things, because it lifts that, you know, it encourages all those good hormones in our, in our bodies, that feel-good factor, and it stops you going down that droning, miserable kind of conversation that just drags you on, you know, when he, you know, sitting listening to your partner who just wants to grumble about the miserable days had, it's not really inspiring, is it? It's not very romantic either. No, and I, so I love the fact that you've sort of um, put that caveat in about, you know, what's been great about your day, because we can always find something, even if you, you know, generally had quite a shit day, there's always going to be something about the day that ha you can say something positive about and be grateful for. Yeah. Or even notice how, when was the last time you looked in your partner's eyes? When did you actually look at them? Really look at them. When did you actually say the last time, do you know what? You've got the most beautiful eyes. I love your smile. Do you know I really love it when you, I don't know, say that thing or you make me chuckle? Do you know you look really sexy when you wear that shirt, that dress, whatever it is? I think, you know, we forget, we lose that. But we had that in the beginning. Yeah. And it can be really powerful, actually, just staring just and spending just those couple of minutes just looking into each other's mm -hmm. eyes because sometimes, you know what, the nonverbal com communication could be very strong too. Yeah. And we get in that habit of just giving a peck on the cheek. But where's that passionate kiss gone? <laughs> you know, oh, I love you and it doesn't mean anything. It's just a habit. You really start thinking you're never going to reignite that passion unless you work on it you know it's not because just not, sitting around in a pair of old joggers and a grubby t-shirt is not a turn on <laughs> no it's not i suppose um i want people to also understand that that honeymoon period okay you know um nobody expects it to last forever but you can reignite that in your relationship right throughout your relationship definitely you know it doesn't have to die after x amount of months or x even x amount of years you know you can always recreate that it's always there it just needs nurturing like you said wendy definitely i totally agree with you i think the honeymoon period as delicious and exciting as it is and yeah i really you know, I'll never knock it. I think it's wonderful. But the real relationship starts after that. And, but you can still keep that magic alive. I've seen it and I've experienced it and it, it can be done. So, yes, it just needs the nurturing. Take that seedling out of the cupboard and really give it some loving care and attention. It will grow and blossom into something really beautiful. And on that note, Wendy... I'd love you to share with our listeners the fact that you've got a wonderful book out and uh, tell them the title of it and how they can obtain it because um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people listening that would, would like to take the opportunity to, to get it. Okay, um, it's From Surviving to Thriving in a Romantic Relationship. Uh, yeah, you can search, you can get it on Amazon, by, on Kindle or uh 
yes, you know, a paperback. It's not one of these heavy books. There's lightheartedness. It takes you through the different stages of a relationship. There are exercises in it that you can do for yourselves to help you. Um, yeah, that just, or search on Amazon for Wendy Capewell um, and you'll find it. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much for that, Wendy. And I'll also, for the benefit of the listeners, make sure that that information is contained in our show notes as well as Wendy's other contact information should you want to know more about her or get in touch. Thank you very much, Lynn. It's been really delightful today. I've really enjoyed it too, Wendy. So um, on that note, listeners, remember, true love starts with opening our hearts. So until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.